What book has had a transformational effect in your life? And what stories are you recording to help your posterity and future self remember what God has done for you? Adri Johnson answers these questions and gives so many additional insights on how to enhance your reading experience. Please check out the show notes because they are robust and full of all the things Adri mentioned. Welcome to the Thy Neighbor podcast, conversations with everyday people who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. I am your host and occasional solo caster, Tracy Robbins King. If you are inspired by this episode and someone comes to mind as you listen, share this with that person. If you have benefited from the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. Your ratings, reviews, and shares make a difference and allow this podcast to reach more remarkable people like you. Adri Johnson is a book lover. Her Instagram is full of fun reels and book recommendations. Her posts are entertaining and educational. She also has excellent taste, not only in books, but she also makes delicious bread. She is married and has four children. She lives in the great state of Idaho and is a graduate of the Brooks No Creation Coach program. I love Adri because she is one who validates before she offers her perspective or wisdom. She also has a rock solid testimony of Jesus Christ's gospel. Adri, you told me in your Marco Polo back and forth that you had an epiphany last February that changed the way you saw your future self and your current self. Will you share how you had seen your future self to that point and then how it shifted? Absolutely. Well, last February is when the Creation Coach School started, and one of the first lessons was about your future self. She wanted to take us from where we were to where we wanted to be. And anytime I ever thought about personal change, like, oh, how do I want to be in the future? It was always based on my appearance and how I looked and how I wanted to look different. And so I set all my goals based on that, of how I wanted to look. I'm sure that a lot of other people in the program were doing similar or maybe totally opposite. But partway through the Creation Coach School program, I read the book called More Than a Body. And it changed this whole paradigm of mine of how I view my body, how I live in my body. Instead of always thinking of my body from the outside, I actually tuned into how I felt on the inside in my body. And it was really interesting as I read that book because I actually had a spiritual moment where as I was listening and being taught a different way to think about my body, it helped me to realize that that's how Heavenly Father wants us to live in our bodies. And Satan wants us to look at our bodies as object. And I felt this spiritual confirmation that this new way of thinking was so much better. Have you heard the story of two fish swimming around? An older fish swims over and says, hey, how's the water? And then he swims away and the two younger fish are like, water? What's water? Sometimes we're in the midst of something and we just don't realize what's all around us until it's pointed out. And that's what 
the book called More Than a Body by Lindsay and Lexi Kite did for me. It pointed out the water. It was like, hey, there is something going on you didn't even realize. So let's shine a light on it and do better. And what books have had the most transformational effect in your life more than a body did? And what else? Yeah, that was a really good book. There were a few others that I read in the last few years that continue to come up in my daily life. And those would be Breath by James Nestor. It's changed the way I sleep. It's changed the way my kids sleep. I will be laying in bed and counting my breaths or slowing down my breaths to a certain count just to calm the nervous system. And it really helps to relax me. And I realized that occasionally I will be counting maybe three or three breaths and my husband will have 20 breaths. He's over six feet and just quite a lot of muscle. And so you'd think that he would have these long, slow breaths, but in the book breath, he teaches why we have shallower breath and the benefits of long, slow breathing. And it doesn't have to be noticed all day long. If you just focus on it for five minutes or maybe 10 minutes, it will change your breathing throughout the day without your noticing. So that is a really good book. I listened to the audiobook. I would love the physical book because he does talk about a lot of different breathing exercises that you can do. And that would be really helpful to reference the physical book on that. Another book is called Mindless Eating by Brian Wansink. He has another book called Slim by Design. That's the sequel. It's the book that puts all the science that you learn in mindless eating into practice. So definitely start with mindless eating. And I would also liken this book to the fish analogy where you point out the water. So he points out some of the diet culture norms, as well as the logistics of eating and how the logistics of eating can actually change how and what you're eating. Instead of constantly trying to just eat healthier or just eat less or whatever it might be for your health goals, he actually has some really great science and tips for how to put it into practice. For example, how big is your plate? That one, I think we all know. Every diet in the world says to get a smaller plate, but he does some really cool experiments where they have larger plates and they have smaller plates and they weigh everything. And it's like, oh, it's not just a mind game. This is fact in science. He even goes into bartenders really seasoned bartenders who know exactly how much to put in each cup. If their cup is short and wide, their drink mix will be different than if it's tall and thin. And they'll actually give you more if it's a short, wide drink, but a tall, thin cup, you'll actually drink less. You'll pour less. Even seasoned bartenders who think they know it all (laughs) can, can be fooled by these little design tricks. Does he talk about how if you put accessible, healthy options in the fridge that you will eat more of them? That's a good question. He talks about while you're eating. So for example, if you're having a family dinner and the food is all on the table, 
you're going to be eating more than if you have to grab your plate and walk back to the kitchen or back to the table, even just a few feet away, those few seconds make a big difference on how much food you're going to put on your plate. And also if you're at a buffet, he says to make sure you're sitting with either your back to the buffet or maybe some plants in between you and the food, just a small separation will help you to eat less. Wow. That's amazing. The most transformational author that I've ever read is Corey Ten Boom. She's my favorite author, and I'm not sure why I have such a pull to her, but I couldn't stop with her first book, The Hiding Place. I had to keep going. And this is her most popular book. And if you haven't heard of or read anything from Corey Ten Boom, definitely start with The Hiding Place. Her sequel, called Tramp for the Lord is my all-time favorite book because it's after World War II. She's already in her mid to late 50s and it's her life after the war. In the real world, the world that we are in, and I find it so applicable because I'm not locked up. I don't have armed guards around me. And while her time in the concentration camp is um, really pivotal in her life. I had a hard time relating her experiences to affect me. But when I read her other book where she's actually working as a missionary, going around the world preaching, and all of these different instances in her life where God shows up for her and she shows up for God, I find that truly transformational. There are several parts of this book that have made a big impact on me, and I'll read you a couple parts. So at this point in the book, she is 80 years old, and she is recounting a couple of moments in her life. I recall the time, and I was almost 70, when some Christian friends who I loved and trusted did something which hurt me. You would have thought that having been able to forgive the guards in Ravensbrook, forgiving Christian friends would be child's play. But it wasn't. For weeks, I seethed inside. But at last, I asked God to work his miracle in me. And it happened. First, the cold-blooded decision, then a flood of joy and peace. I had forgiven my friends, and I was restored. But then, why was I suddenly awake in the middle of the night? rehashing the whole affair. My friends, I thought, people I loved. If it had been strangers, I wouldn't have minded so much. I sat up and switched on the light. Father, I thought it all was forgiven. Please help me do it. But the next night I woke again. They talked so sweetly too. Never a hint of what they were planning. Father, I cried, help me. Then it was that another secret of forgiveness became evident in me. It is not enough to simply say, I forgive you. I must begin to live it out. Many years later, after I had passed my 80th birthday, an American friend came to visit me in Holland. He asked about my friends. It is nothing, I said. All is forgiven. Oh, yes, but what about them? Have they accepted your forgiveness? They say there's nothing to forgive and they deny it happened. But see, I have it in black and white. I saved all their letters. I can show you where. 
My friend said, Corey, aren't you the one who says that your sins are at the bottom of the sea? Yet here are your friend's sins etched in black and white. She goes on to say that she thought she had forgiven this woman who was able to shake the hand of a guard that was one of the worst guards in her prison and forgive him. But it was really hard for her to forgive her friends. And I found that really helpful because they're the people that are closest to you. Yeah, it'd be easy to forgive an enemy. They're supposed to be bad and they're supposed to do rude things. They're enemies. But your friends, it hurts more when it's your friends. But that's when forgiveness is even more important. And she taught me that. Another instance, uh, Connie and her missionary companion were traveling in Poland and they were so tired. It was their first time to Poland. And even right in the morning when they would wake up, they just felt exhausted and their legs would hardly move when they're walking the streets and walking to their speaking engagements. And they actually met up with a friend they knew and told them, oh, we're so tired. And he says, is this your first time to work here in Poland? Yes, but what does that have to do with it? And he says, let me explain. Your tiredness is nothing less than an attack of the devil. He does not like your work here for the Antichrist is busy arranging his army. We sat in his car and he read from the Bible. Then he prayed with us, rebuking the dark powers that would attack us. Even as he was praying, I felt the darkness leave. By the time the prayer was over, we both felt recovered and the tiredness had disappeared. I found that really helpful because there are times where I feel so tired and so overcome and I don't realize it's darkness and she didn't realize it either. She didn't realize that it was the work of the devil in that area. And later she says, God taught me a valuable lesson that I will always remember in many other areas of the world. We learn that in a country where a godless philosophy reigns that only by claiming the blood of Jesus can you stand and not fall. The same is true in a city a school, or even a church building, if Jesus Christ is not recognized as supreme, then darkness rules. And that reminds me of President Russell M. Nelson's decree to let God prevail in our lives. If we want to have Jesus reign supreme, then we can have the light and the energy and all that we have to serve and to love and share. We just have to recognize when we're not letting God prevail. I think that's exactly what she means here. Different words, but same idea. Yeah, I love that. Claim the blood of Jesus. Claim his claim his sacrifice. Let it cover you. Let it help you in those moments of whatever it may be, right? In that moment. That's beautiful. Wow. Do you have any other religious book recommendations? Yes, I do. What Would a Holy Woman Do by Wendy Watson Nelson? It's tiny and it's 60 pages. It's only the size of my palm. This is definitely a quick read. It's very small and you can read it in an hour. This had a huge effect on me because she shines a light in the water. Again, letting you know that in any aspect of your life, you can consecrate it for your good and to the Lord. Another book that I really love is The Spirit of Revelation by David A. Bednar. 
The audiobook version is on the Deseret Bookshelf Plus app, and it's read by him and his wife, which is a beautiful audio version. And in that book, he talks specifically about how it feels to receive revelation and how to receive more, and also to recognize the times where you are receiving revelation and maybe you didn't realize that that's what it is. That book has been really powerful, and that would be a good one to get the physical copy so you can mark it up and reference time and again. Another religious book that I recommend is Yearning for the Living God by F. Enzio Bush. And this is a compilation of stories from his life, both before and after he found the Church of Jesus Christ, and some really amazing miracles that kept him alive, propelled him forward. And you can tell that he really recognizes God in his life. It's transformational to me because I realize there are moments like this in my life too, and I don't want to forget them. And how do you consume your books? Like, how do you take them in? When I was nine years old, I randomly found this book at the DI by Ellen Conford. And it was just what I needed. It sparked my love for reading. And I read everything that she ever wrote. And they were just cute stories for kids about nine or 10 years old or teens. And then I started writing her and she wrote me back and we exchanged pictures and I was really excited about reading for a while, but then middle school and high school happened and I abstained from all reading of any kind. I don't know how I passed English class, but I did, even though I didn't read anything. Fast forward to when my third child was born, I was 30 years old. It was rough. I had postpartum depression. Transitioning from two to three kids was really difficult for me. And there were other personal struggles happening. I needed answers and I didn't know where to find them, but I ended up finding some really good books that helped me. And that's when I started to consume books a lot. I got some really good headphones, but they were big and they were noise canceling. And I was a little embarrassed to go on walks with them. I was embarrassed to drive in the car with these giant lime green headphones. But I stuck through and I did read books and I listened to audiobooks. And I'm at a point now where I love listening to audiobooks. And I recommend people getting some really good headgear. The giant noise canceling, I think they were gaming headphones. They were nice. Don't want to bash my headphones or anything, but they just weren't right for me. So get some headphones or some headgear that's really going to help you if you want to listen to audiobooks. These that I have are called Soundcore, and they're the cheapest kind Soundcore makes, and they are awesome. You do not have to spend $100. 40 will get you a great pair. Two of my friends have bone conduction headphones. Have you heard of these? No, they actually sit right in front of your ear and somehow the vibration of the sound goes through your bone instead of into your ear. And I have a few friends who use those and love them. 
They were, were originally made for runners. They will definitely stay on. Another thing that really got me into books was sharing them with friends. And I overheard some girls talking about books and I was really excited about this conversation. And they mentioned they were in a book club and throughout the entire conversation, it was never brought up that I could join and it felt very exclusive. And I was sad. I was very disappointed being as friendly as I am. I just couldn't believe I wouldn't be invited. Are you kidding me? And I thought, well, I'm friendly. I'm cool. I'm going to start my own. So a friend and I got together. We decided on the parameters of the book club and my reading just expanded from there. I went from reading self-help to reading a lot more fiction and enjoying fiction instead of reading to always better myself and improve and work on me, which is great. It was really nice to read with more of a social aspect in mind and just entertainment and enjoyment. That's awesome. Did, do, are you still doing the book club? Yes, we are going on seven years, I believe. Wow, that is so awesome. Do you guys do it in person or is it digital? We do it in person and we usually meet every six weeks. So it's not monthly. Occasionally we'll have to take a month off, but yeah, we've been going for seven years. We do a really broad range of fiction and nonfiction. There was a period of time where everyone picked a book and we just went person by person. Each meeting we read someone else's favorite book. And then when we ran out of those, we started going to our library and picking up what's called book club in a bag. A lot of libraries have this where there's 10 copies of the same book and you check out the whole thing at once, share it amongst your book group, and then bring it back a month or two later. So we do that now. Book club in a bag. You can look it up, I guess, and find out if your library does that too. Sometimes book clubs can be tricky when everyone's trying to track down a book or share one or two copies of the same book. So if your library has that, it's a really great resource. Do you know of any other great resources that libraries offer? I love Libby. Libby is an online library that links to your library. So for example, you download the Libby app and that's L-I-B-B-Y and you enter in your library card number and you can get so many eBooks and audiobooks. Occasionally you have to wait for a book if it's checked out by somebody else, but really popular books They'll have several copies and you can get them relatively quickly. And if you don't have a library card or if your library isn't participating with Libby, I would be surprised if they're not. But if they're not, you can buy an out-of-state library card from many different places. I've had friends do this where they will spend $50 to get into a library at New York or North Carolina or Florida. And they have access to 100,000 books just right there on your phone, ready to go. And $50 is a lot cheaper than other audio options. Goodreads is one of my favorite apps because you can track the books that you've read, track the books you would like to read, and you can write as detailed a review as you would like to. I got to a point where I was reading so much self-help that I forgot what I was reading. I forgot where I learned XYZ and I would attribute 
another tip from the wrong source. And so I started leaving very detailed reviews on what I learned, even typing in small excerpts or paragraphs into my review. So I could go back for my own reference and remember what parts I loved about which books and maybe what I didn't. And also it's really helpful when someone says, oh, have you read that? And then you can say, I think so. And then you'll know for sure if you put it on your list. How do people follow you? Do they, can they just look up your name or do you have a handle? They can look up your name. However, there are so many users on Goodreads. It's really hard to find someone by their name. There's just too many people. So the best way is to find someone by their email address. You can search by email address and you can send someone a friend request by their email. And it's great to follow friends and see what they like or what they don't. For example, there are a few people who I really trust their reviews. And I know if they liked a book, then I should try reading it. There's another friend that she rated a book really high. Five stars was the maximum amount of stars. And I thought, oh, well, this book must be really good. Because I save my five-star reviews for like the very best. And I read the book and it was ridiculous and so dumb. So now I know that when I see her reviews come across, it's like, oh, she really liked it. I better not read that. (laughs) I say that jokingly, but either way, like it's nice to know what other people are reading and you can just get their insights and see where you connect on another level that you wouldn't normally talk about. That is so exciting. I love that. I feel like books are such a great conversation topic, especially if you recently both read the book so you can remember it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I feel like books can kind of be like movies where you're like, I watched that. I don't remember it. So that's a really good point. I 100% agree with that. That's why all of us can get good reads. I like how you use it for yourself, for you to keep track. That's, I love keeping track of things like that. So that's really fun. And then what about listening audibly? I have found people who I cannot tolerate the audible voice, like literally books I haven't listened to because I cannot stand the voice. So who have you enjoyed listening to? What are some of your audible recommendations that you're like, that is such a great voice? There are some really good readers. And there are times where I've listened to a book and the reader is so good. I search by their name instead of author name. It's like, what else have they read? I'm listening to whatever they have read. And I have found a lot of good books that way. To be honest, I don't remember their names as much as the book. For example, the person who reads Harry Potter, amazing narrator. I think he reads The Night Circus. And I loved that book just because of the narrator. I mean, the book was pretty awesome too. I don't think that reader would have, or that narrator would have accepted the request to read the book if it wasn't amazing because he's just a really amazing reader. I have noticed that a lot of actors and actresses are reading books now and that can work out really good too. For example, Matthew McConaughey reads his own book called Green Lights and his audio version is so amazing. I felt like I was in the room with him and he was doing this giant, most amazing monologue I've ever heard. It was really a good audiobook. I have to warn you that he uses some bad language. So I can't fully recommend that book, but it was a 
really great audio version. I love, I actually love Malcolm Gladwell's voice. So I like his books because it's so nice to listen to him. I think, wow. I mean, I listened to a Malcolm Gladwell book and then I listened to The Power of Habit right after. It was this monotone voice and it was despicable. It just did not work for me. I couldn't listen to it anymore. It's like, I guess I'm gonna have to read that book because I cannot listen to it. And it was because I had just come off of this like beautiful audiobook voice and then it was really tough. So just an interesting thing, right? The contrast helps you see when you do listen to a lot of books, you notice. I definitely know where you're coming from. I have had the same experience where I go from a really great audio to a really poor one. And yeah, it's it's really tough. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the, the problem with listening to lots of books, right? That's the, the audible listener problem right there. Have you seen that Seinfeld episode where George pretends to be blind in order to get audiobooks because <laughs> no. he doesn't want to read. So he pretends to be blind, he gets an audiobook and then he starts listening and realizes the audiobook is in his exact voice. And he's so upset because he hates his voice. He doesn't want to listen to a whole book in his own voice otherwise he would have read it himself. And the whole episode goes on and on about this audiobook, but that is so clever. What a genius episode. And what does reading and listening to books do for you that nothing else does? Number one, I can get outside my four walls. I can learn more. (laughs) I can learn it faster. And I can also be entertained while I do the mundane tasks, whether it's driving or housework or mowing the lawn. It's just a small escape that you don't have to commit a lot of time to because you can just quickly pause if anything comes up. So it's really convenient and also can be really fun. Do you want to share a few of your fiction recommendations? You can do poetry or fiction, what you'd prefer to share. I love poems by Carol Lynn Pearson. And this book called The Growing Season is quite old. She has a lot more new age stuff, but I haven't read her new stuff. (laughs) So I can only vouch for her old books, but there is a poem in here I'll read to you. It's called The Ninth Month. Being a duplex, I have been happy, my dear, to loan you half the house, rent-free and furnished as best I could. You have been a good tenant, all in all, quiet yet comfortably there, tapping friendly on the wall. But I hear you have outgrown the place and are packing up to move. Well, I will miss the sweet proximity But we will keep in touch. There are bonds, my dear, that reach beyond a block or a mile or a hemisphere. Born of much love and labor, I approve the move and gladly turn from landlady to neighbor. That hit me good. I love that. And her poems are quite clever and touching. There is another book of poems that I really enjoyed recently by Kate Bear. B-A-E-R. And her book is called What Kind of Woman? And these were really interesting poems. It's in three parts. And I almost gave up in part one. It just wasn't my thing. But by the time I got to part three, I really enjoyed the poetry. I don't have the book, so I can't read you any excerpts from that. But I would recommend to my peers, if you get What Kind of Woman? Start in part three. And if you really like that, you can work your way backward towards the beginning of the book. 
Let's see. Some other fiction books that I really like. Pride and Prejudice is a classic favorite. I have reread this every year. And I most recently read Jane Austen's book called Persuasion. And that is almost better. I don't know if anyone's read that, but I think I like Persuasion better than Pride and Prejudice. I hear there's a series coming out. I haven't watched it or anything, but I hope it does it justice because the book is really good. I've heard that it is one of Jane Austen's best masterpieces. The other book, if you like Jane Austen, you will love this book called The Other Bennett Sister. It is Pride and Prejudice from another character's perspective, and it is lovely. Oh, I didn't write down the author, so I'm not sure who wrote it, but the other Bennett sister, it is in the same style as Jane Austen. It sounds like she wrote it. It is a lovely book, just tickled me to death. A couple other that I really like are Any Mystery by Anne Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. She has several different series. The Charlotte and Thomas Pitt series of hers is wonderful. I also love all of her short Christmas stories. They're typically always a murder mystery, but they are very clean and tasteful. (laughs) No goriness going on there. It's just, they're awesome. And I also love mysteries by Tasha Alexander. She has a Lady Emily series that is delightful and very cleanly done. And they are murder mysteries as well. What ambitions do you have with books and writing in the future? I am thankful for the opportunity to even think about what my ambitions are. I, usually I'm just listening for fun. So thank you so much for this question. I want to just continue learning and enjoying because I really do enjoy stories. I love stories of all kinds. My son recently gave his first talk in church. And he needed quite a bit of help. So it was on Pioneer Day. And so I got on Family Search and was searching for things he could include in his talk from his ancestors. And I fell in love with so many stories of my ancestors. I wish they had written more. I'm sure there was more. My ambition is to have more of our stories recorded. And Books like Yearning for the Living God that I mentioned and Tramp for the Lord and so many others are people's stories that they have recorded. And if Corey Ten Boom didn't write down all of those wonderful things that happened to her and that she did, we wouldn't know about them. She's the only one who could do that in that way that she did. And in the book of Nephi, the Lord commands Nephi to keep a separate record for the happenings of the people and a smaller set of records for the very special spiritual things. And these are called the small plates of Nephi. I literally followed this guidance and made a small plates of Adri. It's a small, well-made book where I put all of my spiritual promptings or most precious spiritual experiences in this little book. And I've written in it for years and I have been surprised to read some of the accounts in there that are so easily forgotten when we're just in our busy lives. A few years ago, I was asked to give a talk at church and 
I thought, oh, well, nothing's really happened to me. I don't really know what I would talk about. And then I remembered my book. I had just started it about six or seven months before this moment. And I thought, oh, great. I'm going to go to this little book. And there was an experience in here that I was astounded that I forgot where the Lord literally filled my freezer full of steaks and roasts that it was just a true answer to prayer. And I won't get into specifics of, of the experience, but how could I have forgotten? Really? It was such a wonderful experience. And I was determined from that moment on to not let any spiritual experience be forgotten again. And so often the prophets say in the scriptures, remember, remember, and I don't want to be the one that they have to keep prompting. Oh, remember when the Lord did this wonderful thing for you, because he really has done wonderful things for all of us. And I have since given a small book to lots of people. And I have a special insert that I put in that shows them what they can write and where the scriptures are in the Book of Mormon that ask you to write down your spiritual experiences. So my goal, my ambition is for people to write their stories so they don't get lost in this busy life of ours. I would love for everyone to have a set of small plates, the small plates of Adri, a small plates of Tracy. Those parts of my life are what my children and friends and family are going to want to read. And those special experiences are what make The Hiding Place and Tramp for the Lord and Yearning for the Living God. All of these books that we love so much are for those special little pieces of their life that they have preserved. Adri, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? Yes, there are a couple other books that I would love to share for people who love to read or want to love to read. And they are books about reading itself. Okay, one of them is called The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease. He has so many editions. This is edition. I have edition seven, but there are other editions and they are all so good. Talks about the not necessarily the science behind reading aloud, but he goes into a lot of background of reading aloud and what reading aloud can do in the classroom, in the home, when mom reads aloud versus when dad reads aloud and the differences that it can have on the kids. There are a lot of studies that he brings together in a really cohesive way to convince you to read aloud. (laughs) The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease. Another book that I really loved was called The Enchanted Hour. And this one is by Megan Cox Gurdon. The Enchanted Hour, The Miraculous Power of Reading Aloud in the Age of Distraction. And it is a wonderful book that will just spark you to read aloud, not just to children, but to teenagers and adults. Those are great recommendations. I'm so glad I asked that question. And will you tell us how we can follow you, how we can uh, get a hold of you? Absolutely. I am on Instagram at the real Adri Joe, and that's A D R I J O, the real Adri Joe. 